has been around for thousands of years, but Canadians are increasingly turning to new methods such as mobile wallets and contactless solutions to make everyday payments. No matter what the future of payments holds, Interact will be there to help Canadians transact with confidence across multiple platforms and devices. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca. Before we get to the show, here's a word from a podcast that's on our playlist. Hi, I'm Michael Spratt. And I'm Emily Tammon. We're the co-hosts of The Docket, the podcast for legal and political nerds. Hey, Mike, have you ever asked yourself, what's the deal with the notwithstanding clause? Thanks, Doug Ford. Hey, Emily, have you ever wondered, are the police allowed to do that? Almost daily. And have you ever scratched your head as politicians pass bad law after bad law? Super itchy. Join us in the docket as we break down the intersection of law, politics, and common sense. As a criminal defense lawyer and former prosecutor, we might not have a regular schedule or much of a plan, but we've got you covered. So tune in to the docket. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Hey everyone, we're back in action. It's Friday, June 21st. I've got Shannon Proudfoot of McLean's and David Reevely of the Canadian Press here with me in our Ottawa studio. Hi to you both. Hi. Hi. We made it. It's been a busy week. We've had travels. The house has risen. Senate. Like just an unbelievable amount of news this week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Every day was like a massive boom, story. Boom, it kept boom, beating the boom. next day. Yeah. It was sort of like, yeah. 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 So so it's, it's chaotic, um, but we've made it. Uh, so we'll get right into it. On Wednesday, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer introduced the party's much-anticipated real plan to protect our environment, their climate plan, outlining what the opposition would do to tackle global warming should they be elected in October. There are three guiding principles to this plan, which include uh, green technology, not taxes, a cleaner and greener natural environment, and taking the climate change fight global. I took a look at the document. The plan uh, is defined in part by, you know, what it's not, the liberal carbon tax. And after, what, like six pages of, of photos of Sheer like, fishing with his kids, uh, there is some, uh, it gets that first point of, of innovation in green tech. So from what I gather from this point, the conservatives are, are really hammering down on, on big-time emitters. Um, so they're Proposing that these these corporations, if they meet a certain like a uh, certain threshold, like forty percent or something, what was it? Forty, 40 megatons. Mega, 40, something is like forty megatons. Yeah, something like yes. Yeah, so it's it's because it's a lower threshold than the liberal threshold, which is fifty megatons. So right. they're touting that a lot. So uh, as, and, and so anyway, they would invest back into emissions reducing technology, thus putting like um, uh, an emphasis on lowering the outputs of these big corporations rather than putting the burden on 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 small businesses, which they say the Liberals um, plan does. So another component to this principle is the green home tax credit. What's that about? Is that So that's about renovations that would make your house more energy efficient. Um, I think they said, is it $3,800 max? It's a, like a 20%? 20, or 2850 Okay. So what if you put If you put in like more efficient windows or solar panels or something like oh, that. Okay. And this is a thing that existed before under the Harper government and oh. was so popular that they had to shut it down because <laughs> money was just yeah. flying out the door. <laughs> so they think they pegged this at a $900 million cost. Um, 
for yeah, programs like this sort of come and go. Governments do them. Governments cancel them. The Ontario government had one. The right. Ford government canceled it, um, and the federal Tories had it. It was partly a, uh, a stimulus thing. You know, let's get people spending money right. on upgrading yes. their houses, and and there will be manufacturing of uh, you know new doors and new windows and that sort of thing, and work for the people who put them in and whatnot. Right. But it was also an a, attempt to reduce energy usage. They're sort of, they're always popular. People yeah. use them like crazy. Because the thing uh, is, almost anything you do to your house will improve the efficiency. So you don't have to yeah. work that hard to find things you need to pay for around your house that you could then get a little slice off of. So homeowners love them. Yeah. That, that makes sense, actually. Um, it, and But they always expire. It's always, you know, yeah, and right. I think the talk here is that this will be a two-year program. Um, right. And then that'll be that. So the, so, so but, but the general consensus of this first principle is the green technology, investing in green technology. And That's sort of the big headline item they're hammering. Um, however, there's a lot of missing details that are very key to sort of assessing how it might work. And um, I sort of noticed a lot of the messaging this week when various conservatives were, were pressed quite hard on, but what will be the cost of this? Because their big, yes. their big messaging, right, is innovation, not taxes. Taxes are evil, carbon mm. tax, terrible, terrible liberal idea. So, but by removing that possibility, rhetorically, they've made it clear that they abhor that notion. They've kind of cut out a really large chunk of emissions, somewhere around above half. It varies across uh. provinces, but somewhere above half of the emissions for each or emissions for each province are small emitters that would presumably be curbed right. by the nice, like the sort of economist-approved efficient mm -hmm. mechanism of a carbon tax. So they've kind of like just kiboshed that entire suite of possibilities, yes. and then have had to kind of work creatively to, to tackle other things. But I noticed in the messaging this week um, that th when they were really pushed on, but what will be the cost of this kind of top line innovation fund thing? Like presumably it's meant to act as uh, a penalty, right? If you emit yeah. too much above a set level, you have to pay, but we're not just going to make you arbitrarily funnel money into federal coffers. Right. We're going to make you invest in green tech. And so you heard them in interviews over and over being pressed on, but won't that effectively up costs for customers because, or for, or for consumers, because if, you know, a company goes above emissions and then has to pay and their messaging was no, 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 they will be thrilled to invest in mm -hmm. it more efficient, like technologies and possibilities for themselves. So it's kind of like they need to pick a lane. Right. You can't have it both ways. It either is or is not a penalty. And if it is a penalty, then there are going to be sort of trickle down costs to consumers. I think one of the, the, the boxes that they back themselves into is, this assertion that price signals don't matter, which is very strange to come from the Conservative yeah, Party, the hard-headed. Yeah, and yeah, it's week. a thing that comes up yeah. every time, uh, or certainly any conversation that I'm in. It tends to come <laughs> up. But it's like the idea that having to pay more for something, uh, uh, it's Andrew Shear's yeah. position now, does not affect people's behavior. But that's weird. That's contrary to she everything was, we right. know about economics. Yes. There are some very weird sort of sure. fringe cases, but by and large, if something costs more money, you do less of it and you mm -hmm. find substitutions. And that's the point of pricing carbon emissions, yes. whatever mechanism you use to do it. If it's more expensive, because it's in economics an externality, it's you are imposing costs on other people that you're not paying. And then you you if we, we tax emissions, then those costs become your problem again. Right. And then you start doing something about them, then you act accordingly. Yeah. But if the conservative argument is that higher costs don't change behavior, then yes. it's hard to come up with an economically literate plan. And, I mean, what Shannon was just talking about, that apparently there will be things that cost money 
but the costs will not get passed on to consumers because they're going to be hidden in company budgets. Mm. But apparently that won't affect their need to raise prices to pay right. for these things. Like there are all it's kinds just, of things that right. just, just don't really make that. Yeah, they don't fly. But where we might be missing the boat a bit, my colleague Paul Wells wrote a mm-hmm. column last night where know. he talked about um, what are called sword shield, sword issues and shield mm-hmm. issues yes. for contemporary conservatives. And I think this is a really useful framing. Um, this goes back to, I think, some thinking on the part of Hamish Marshall yes. um, that, that there are sword issues for conservatives and those are issues you win on. So you go out mm-hmm. on those are offensive issues. There are shield issues where you just need a defensive position that protects you from criticism mm-hmm. that you're not doing anything. Paul's diagnosis, and I, I think he might be right, is that the environment is 110% a shield issue mm-hmm. for today's conservatives. And so therefore... Us like going back and forth about is the carbon is the the conservative climate plan robust and in good faith and sensible is kind of missing the point because what they really needed was a plan a plan yeah. a, a plan. plan nobody at the door no normal person is going to unpack this the way right, we are right, which right. is That's which true. is a problem people should be asking questions about policies mm-hmm. and and efficacy and things like that so I think we like. I'm not saying we're wasting our time to have this conversation, but we might be like that might not this be what they the were actually they trying to. But it's true, and yeah. it's just to say, hey, we flag it around and say, hey, we've got the yeah. plan. Um, I thought it was it was interesting too. Like, um, you know, you've got a conservative leader up there saying climate is a real issue. Yeah, there was a lot of the tone of the coverage on was it was it Wednesday when this came out was sort of amusingly like like good for you, like cheering on the remedial student where they had like multiple members of other parties saying, well, hey, at least they're acknowledging it. So there's sort of an amusing kind of messaging curve to it. But their overall message it bothers me because I like logic, which I know is maybe in the wrong field, <laughs> is like their message is that we can curb climate damage and emissions and it's not going to cost you a penny. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way the world works. Yeah, yeah. But we have various political parties arguing various ways that they can do what they want to do without and it costing you anything. So it's not just the Tories. I mean, if I'm a liberal as well, what I, what I would be emphasizing, maybe ineffectually, but they have a carbon tax and the rebate. Which they have paid out. Right. So yes. if you lower your emissions, you end up with more money in your pocket yeah. if you burn less fuel. Um, whereas there's, so it's not just a cost; it is paired with a tax refund as well. Which is yeah. Which is the economist-approved measure. That's it. Um, and there's sorry, there's one good thing yeah. I want to raise, or at least with from a, a sort of climate economics perspective, which is Sheer is talking about um, Canadian companies getting credit for reducing emissions of Broad. And I, exactly yes. how you do that does matter. The, the, the actual mechanics and logistics of, of that are important. But we have focused a great deal on reducing emissions from Canada, mm-hmm. which is important because we are per capita real carbon pigs compared to other countries. But if Canadians, Canadian companies fund emissions reduction projects abroad, yes. then under the sheer plan, they would be able to get credit for those. Is this this Canada Clean brand? or Yeah, you, more, yeah it, ex- by exporting technology, yeah, that, right. that part's a little bit different, but, it's, but it it's is part of, it's in the same family okay. of, of measures. Right. And if it's cheaper for a Canadian company to build a solar farm in Brazil right. and get the climate credit, for that than it is to do it in Manitoba. I mean, uh, you could flip that around rhetorically and say, why are we, you know, being forced to pay for other countries' emission reductions? You can kind of play that either way. Yes. But it, whether the emission reductions happen in Canada or in some other country, uh, doesn't make any difference as far as the atmosphere is concerned. But there are a lot of missing pieces. You know, there's no, they, they their messaging 
it, it's always instructive when a politician's messaging is verbatim and very careful. And Sheer kept saying this this plan gets us gives us the best chance to meet the Paris targets. But yeah. there's no, nothing in the document which he would point out perhaps fairly um, at this point. You know, before an election or at this point when unveiling a new platform, the other parties hadn't sort of effectively cost out the efficacy of their policies. But there's nothing in the document that says we expect these measures to reduce emissions by this percentage or this many megatons. And so yeah. that raises questions. Uh, that the Tory plan does not answer about sort of how, how much each step right. contributes. Yes. So yeah. here's a program, it, they say it's the energy efficiency thing is going to cost $900 million yeah. and cut emissions by X megatons is the part that's not there. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit... Uh, like a you know a, a fiscal plan yeah. that says we're going to change these programs, but we don't know how much money they're going to save. Right. It raises questions about just how much serious policy work has gone yeah. into this. Yeah, there's no not much in there that I would identify as bad. The no, only question no. is how much does it add up to? Right. And, 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 and it does not answer that question in yeah. itself. And again, I mean, I think the people that that the conservatives are are trying to appeal to right now probably aren't going to like you said, Shannon, going to be reading that much into this this plan. They've got they they they've got it. They've got it in their hands. It's there. They can check that off. It is a plan. Degree. It is a plan. All right. On the topic of climate, the, the Trudeau government has yet uh, yet again approved the expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. This pipeline has a, a very long history. So some key points to remember, and correct me if I get anything wrong here. The feds first approved the Kinder Morgan expansion back in 2016. There was a push um, pushback to this, lots of it, mostly from indigenous and environmental groups. Then the government brought, um, bought the pipeline for, for $4.5 million as Kinder Morgan was... Billion. Billion. Oh, sorry, billion. Billion. One thousand times as I have much billion. as that. Yeah. <laughs> as Kinder Morgan um, was looking to to pull out amidst sort of um, uh, pushback and indecision among stakeholders. In April of last year, the Federal Court of Appeal overturned the government's approval of the pipeline, citing that the initial analysis done by the uh, National Energy Board was insufficient. So the NEB comes out again after a second round of reviews saying, yep, we're good. Six, you know, six new, 16 new conditions. Um the Trudeau cabinet delays their decision a few times as to whether to go through it, uh, go through with it, and then finally the decision is made this week to move forward. Um, Trudeau, in his speech, reinforced that the the government was um, committed to upholding climate standards, but that we, you know, that that Canada couldn't drop economic needs and priorities at the same time. There's been that that message um, doled out a few times. Interestingly, earlier in the week on Monday, this decision came out on Tuesday, on Monday, MPs in the House voted to declare a national climate emergency. The motion was put forward by Environment Minister uh, Catherine McKenna. Conservatives voted against the motion, but it passed still with a significant majority with support of Liberals, NDP, Bloc Québécois, and the Green. So there's some that feel that it's a little hypocritical of the Liberals to put forward this, this, this motion of, uh, you know, a climate emergency motion and then also, um, the day after, approve a massive oil pipeline expansion. Is that a, a, a fair assessment, or, um, or, or, or is the argument that they're, um, that these two goals of economic prosperity and climate action don't have to be at odds with one another? I mean, that's certainly their central thesis, right? And that was the up and down message of the announcement of the TMX expansion. But there's no denying the optics are awkward. And this yes. is a very tricky circle to square in terms of trying to be all things to all people and maybe instead risking really ticking off everyone in different ways. Right. So, I mean, they were at pains. The big sort of 
novel part of the the TMX approval. I think by the time they announced it, everyone kind of knew there were stories leaking and little indications and things like that. Um, was the announcement that any federal revenues from yes. um, taxes on the oil pipeline once it's built and the eventual sale of it, because they've said, like, it's in the window, we don't want to, we have no intention of keeping it, will be reinvested into innovation. So then the argument the prime minister was making was, was in some ways a highly pragmatic one. Like he was saying, look, like we need to, we need to transform our economy from a resource based one or, or at least from a carbon intensive one, but we can't do that immediately. And mm. in order to do it, we need money. And mm. oil brings money. He was also at pains to stress and I've heard that message from other politicians this week that twinning the pipeline does not result in greater carbon emissions, like greater production. It just yes. enables the oil to get to markets easier and basically right. improves the return on it. That is the theory, at least, yeah. that it, it just will get more money for it and that's good for everyone. But we're selling it anyway. We're just selling it at a discount now. And and it, through also right. carbon intensive means like on rail cars and yeah, things like that. So exactly. the argument is the oil's going anyway. This is just a better way to get it out. But... It, it it that is a tricky that is a tricky message track to yeah. to sell I, and I mean even j- judging anecdotally from what you see in social media this week yeah. they disappointed a lot of people like it's a hard well, it is many. just a hard thing to argue um, we are all in on the environment that's one of their major differentiation points from the conservatives right now seems likely to be a massive election uh, issue but. Uh, you can see how people start to question credibility when it's like, well, we bought you a pipeline and we're going to work on the environment. Like it's, it's a very awkward kind of thing. Yeah, it is. a. Uh, it, and particularly since, I mean, it'd be one thing to let the pipeline go ahead. It's something else to be as they are now, the government that is building the pipeline. Well, that's the it. proprietor, the yeah. proprietor, they the owner, it. they are doing it. <laughs> and then they're going to you know, know. sort out. And I mean, Trudeau has been clear on this. This pipeline is going to be built. Right. He has said all along. Um, and so it shouldn't have come as a surprise to anyone that the government right. approved it. Uh, but it, it's as, as, Shannon says that's a really that's a tough yeah and the, the, the same both things at the same time and I also wonder if they don't have more to lose than they gain here I mean in very clumsy blunt terms like they are nowhere on the electoral map from like Winnipeg to the eastern border of BC like they're yeah. not winning any seats there mm-hmm. nobody loves them or very few and those tend to be the parts of the country that are most concerned with resource development as a like a very personal economic concern that presumably in broad strokes twinning this pipeline would make those people happy but they're not voting for the liberals yeah. anyway and I, i'm not suggesting right. that all political decisions have to be super cynical and mercenary although a lot of time they, they do are. tend to be they tend to be but strategically but then who have you who have you ticked off here who have yeah. you disappointed um in exchange for not very little payoff and i mean certainly that you could make an argument that like hey governing is hard and and this mm-hmm. whole thing of how we can balance the environment and the economy is a tricky thing and we have to make hard decisions um i i, I guess time will tell how well they kind of communicated that this week and how much people are buying it yeah i mean i, I was going to ask that like so this would clearly um you know, we've heard a lot about job loss in Alberta, obviously in the energy sector specifically, like does this sort of tackle it, but you make a good point, even if it does work to improve jobs and whatever and create jobs, it's not like those people are going to be voting liberal anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm making a, I'm making a frowny face and shrugging my shoulders, which doesn't help on the radio, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it does. Seeking votes in Alberta. No. For the liberal party. That's always been tough. Yeah. And what this, 
will do is enrage swing voters in British Columbia, which oh, is right. much more fertile ground for right. the for the liberals. That's a good point. I mean, looking at that calculation and seeing them do this, you might say they're doing it because they actually think it's the right thing. Uh, yeah, that's true. Or <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's a way you could well, turn that cynicism around. Right? Yeah, yeah, if 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 they were going to be purely cynical yeah. about it, they'd say, "Screw Alberta. We're not going to win there anyway. Let's do the thing that's going to make British Columbia happy, where we stand a chance." Huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Although, and I although I wonder too if if the messaging mightn't have been more effective if it was a little more blunt and talked to us like we're grown ups. Like like if if the real truth underneath it is, look. This stuff is hard, and and we're at a mm. really difficult tipping point, and we don't love the fact that we're doing this, and yeah. we know it looks really weird, <laughs> but we got to do it, and here's how we're telling ourselves it'll be okay. Here's what we're going to do yeah. with that money to hopefully move things forward. I think a more transparent messaging of that, rather than this kind of like plug your ears and whistle pleasantly great. and remind every, yeah. pretend, pretend everything is fine, that seems... Like, it, it's bound to register disingenuously. And I think if they explained the business side of this, too, like, if they went into more detail about why we need to sort of expand our um, market a little bit, like, Although perhaps. that gets dicey, too, because, like, you had the former uh, David Anderson, right? Former, yeah. Uh, former li- a former, former liberal, liberal environment minister. Environment minister saying, at least he is arguing, there is no business case here. Like, there's no there's no sense that Asia yeah. is champing at the bit to have our oil. I mean, that that's certainly a point of debate. Um, but you're right. Maybe there's a way to make just a hard-nosed economic argument here and say, look, and then we're going to plow that money into starting to move our economy in a right. different way. Like it's it's you know it's the whole thing of like turning around the Titanic. Like it's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> yeah. But it it seems like it's reaching a point of urgency in the public consciousness that it's got to start happening. So maybe they could make a stronger argument of like this is how we're going to do it in a very pragmatic kind of sometimes tough decisions there look are, a little ugly. There are sort of other instances where we do stuff like we tax gasoline and in part we use that money to pay for public transit. Right. We tax the thing, we make money off the thing that we kind of don't want, but then we use the money that we, we, we the government, we collectively, make from the stuff we kind of don't like. Um, we use the money for things we do like. That's kind of the... The yeah. nature of it, in some ways, but yeah, it's it's a tough. I'm, I'm repeating myself. That's a, that, it's a tough thing to communicate. Yeah. So with the, the, this climate, going back to this, this cli- you know, declaring a climate emergency. So there's no real significance. Like it's not like okay, so this it's not binding. It's a, a symbolic, symbolic thing. thing. Yeah. But okay. it was meant to be a symbolic thing that would presumably embarrass the conservatives and particularly the leader in some ways, so that you could see them making an attack ad in their heads. Oh, right? yeah. with that footage. Oh yeah. But instead, it made them to a lot of people look like hypocrites. Yes. Yeah. Right. The, I, yeah. It's, I you hear a lot more about uh, what this the, says about the liberals right. than what it says about any other party. That the, that the conservatives didn't vote for. Yeah. So we did hear from Trudeau that, that shovels would be in the ground this construction season. But some are saying that's sort of unlikely as well because there are already groups stepping up saying they're going to ch- challenge this. It's, yeah, it's pretty definitely going back to court. Yeah. Uh, and the liberal government's argument is that this approval will be on much firmer ground than the previous one was and will withstand the challenges. Right. We'll have to see. Um, I think there is some stuff they can do to put shovels technically <laughs> in the ground right. um, that will get things started whilst without 
necessarily guaranteeing that they will be finished. I thought because until like until uh, the tip of a shovel hits the ground, Andrew Shear is going to continue with his messaging in response, right. which was sure, sure they approved it, but it's not really going to happen because like his their argument is they dragged their feet so long they had to buy the right. thing because the company got scared and pulled out, and now we've just been going around and around the block. Like he's sort of arguing that they're moving the food around on their plate but not really eating. That they don't yeah. really want to get this done. They don't. They're not going to get it done, and so. I mean, the only way to kind of stop that messaging is is to move it forward. Although I don't even know then if this this is if so, this is some very serious theater on Trudeau's part. He has right. invested a lot of political capital and time and and effort into right. apparently a thing he does not actually want to do. Like I'm not sure I buy that. We can oh no, we yeah. can argue that about, about how competently it's been done or how quickly it's yeah, been yeah. done. But yeah, for like, sure. To put a lot into yeah, getting oh this no. pipeline built. But I guess like we're in a moment where there was going to be no climb down. You're not going to get, you know, the liberals approving a pipeline and the Alberta loving, you know, energy sector defending leader of the opposition yeah. going thumbs up, good yeah. job well, guys, yeah. let's move yeah. forward. Like this is there's not. so many different elements at play, different groups, different stakeholders, different the the federal provincial elements. Yeah. Anyway, um, okay. Lastly, the Prime Minister made a trip down to the White House yesterday to visit President Trump and other dignitaries. This is his third official visit. Washington. Um, it seemed to go well, much better than previous interactions between the two. And of course, it it, it could be read that, that um, or it is being read, that Trump uh, was cozying up to the PM to get his seal of approval on USMCA and a trade deal and encourage the Democrats to ratify the deal. Shannon, you were there. You actually traveled on this special plane yeah, to get I, there. Yeah, I went on the trip. Um, it was very interesting. It was it was like it, it's remarkable how much you see Trump on TV, and to see a press sort of press conference, the thing where they sit in the chairs and they act out the meeting. Spray, that there's, I think they call it. Yeah, but yeah. they but they do this weird thing. I, I came home last night and my husband was like, "What the hell was that?" And I don't know how to explain what yeah. it is. I don't even know what they call it. Where they sit in the chairs yeah. and like act out the meeting that they're about to have. <laughs> Like they give us like a preview and then they kick us all out and actually have the meeting. But anyway, it it was instructive to see the whole arc of a Donald Trump press conference and how much of it is him darting off on utterly random rhetorical tangents and then everyone kind of (laughs) waiting quietly and then going, anyway, so about Iran. Um, So, so they, yeah, I mean, the the whole thing was they were going for a tone reset. The message from, from the PMO largely before the trip was things are good. Things are good. I like to the point where I, I sort of wonder if like dealing with Donald Trump, is like, you know, the thing they say about the weather in Vancouver, like if you don't like it in <laughs> half an hour, because last year was terrible, right? When it, he oh, stormed yeah. into the G7 in Charlevoix, you know, Trudeau in arguably one of his strongest and most favorably received moments as prime minister said Canada would not be pushed around on steel and aluminum tariffs. Yeah. Trump hate tweets him on his way to North Korea. Yeah. Things were at a low point. It seems like things have defrosted now, although the two big Canadian priorities coming into this were... The new NAFTA, getting it getting it ratified, and that arguably hinged more on Trudeau's meeting with Nancy Pelosi later in the afternoon in an effort to try to get it through right. the House of Representatives and get Democrats on side. And the other big priority was dealing with China and with President yes. Xi Jinping on the two Canadians who are detained. Right. And there was sort of this bizarro exchange um, in the com- in the press conference where you know the reporters just start literally screaming questions, and someone said, "Do you have any concerns about the situation with China?" And I think Trump's just default <laughs> mode is. 
is to say no concern. Like he, he literally said no concerns, no concerns, because I think his default mode is everything's fine. I'm in I'm charge. I've got it this. in hand. Yeah. And then you could almost see like his, mach- his eyes go like slot machine wheels. And it was like, oh, wait, I, I get what they're asking. So then it turned into reporters saying, will you help him get a meeting with President Xi? And he it's sort like, of turned yeah. to Trudeau and said, well, are you trying to get a meeting? Is that what I you know. want? I was like, oh, and, God, And cringe. Trudeau is sort of there <laughs> kind of like g- grinning almost like. He like was, was just very awkward. He said, "We've got a lot to talk about." Like, like, look at the itinerary, it's and then, like, but then, it, like, it came around. Like, you need to frame things in a way that Donald Trump finds appealing, right? Donald Trump mm. likes being a deal maker and a power broker. Mm. So as this exchange went mm. on, he said, "I'll bring it up. I'll talk to she. I'll get it done. I'll help Canada." So, I mean, it remains to be seen how how specific that is, but that was what they were trying to accomplish in going there, and that clicks into place next week immediately at the G20 right. in, in Osaka. Oh, that's right. Okay, right, right, right. So his meeting with, with uh, Democratic House leader Nancy Pelosi, like you said, Shannon, it was probably more important in terms of the, um, or more significant in terms of the USMCA deal. Like what would have, he was very clear that he wasn't going to campaign on this or um, come out on a side or, um, or, or or get involved in American domestic politics. Yeah, he, well, Ultimately, the future of this deal is in Pelosi's hands. Right. She controls the agenda in the House of Representatives, where she's the speaker, uh, which you know in the states is a political, like a very political position in a way that it's not here. And Democrats have their doubts; they yeah. don't want to. And she's a Democrat; they don't want to give um, uh, Trump wins, yeah. and they have genuine substantive concerns about the content of the deal. So. The best thing Canada can do, as far as that goes, is send Trudeau, who mm-hmm. Democrats in the states like, right. to say, <clears throat> Madam Speaker, yeah, can we move this along? Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we don't have very much leverage, and it would be unseemly. And Trudeau has pretty much said this mm-hmm. for. Canada as a foreign country to go campaigning within the United States right. on this stuff. They're doing a lot of kind of soft. Pressing on it, but but to be seen with Pelosi, I mean that to anything that he can do to ease the way for Pelosi to make this happen, I think he wants to do, and just being seen next to her, being friendly and charming. Right. I think part of the messaging too was because of the specific concerns they have about labor regulations and environment. Yes. I think some of the messaging was you're progressive, I'm progressive. Exactly. Come on, we wouldn't have inked this if it wasn't good in that direction. So it was to sort of show some solidarity yeah. but you're right he was at pains to say i'm not going to interfere this is not my country yeah they have to do their own deal yeah um, or ratify their own deal um and and on i think it was the day before the day we were traveling to washington was when mexico ratified their version yes. of the yeah. deal so overwhelming and they've sort of said yeah and they've they sort of said they were punch. trying to somehow get it done simultaneously which yeah. seems like a tricky thing so I don't know if that puts more urgency on now to move things forward or if it depends more on the individual political context of the two other countries remaining Yeah. because um, the, the House in Canada would have to be recalled to yeah. ratify it. And the U.S., of course, is already in election mode because that's the way they roll. You but they, they have – Congress is sitting for another several weeks. So, so they have in the U.S., so, they could move it through. So, But here – but because we're doing it kind of simultaneously with the United States – the house is risen here, so would yeah. they be would, would would it be called back then? Yeah, right. uh, after the U.S. moves forward on it, I think uh, the thinking is that Canada would 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 do that by recalling MPs and senators. The general thinking, I mean, it's entirely in the hands of the Americans, really, and Nancy yeah. Pelosi in in particular. Uh, but the general thinking is that that might happen in August. That yeah. there'd be a very short session to yeah. get this thing through. Do you know why August is the floated timeline? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that off the top of my because head. Because as far as I understand it, it just 
gives time for the Americans to do their okay, thing. I see. It's uh, as true as that. And also, they'll be, um, I mean, before the campaign begins in earnest, but after right. MPs have had a break, really. And yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Gone around. I guess it's almost process of elimination, right? Yeah, really, that's it's what's It's been left. kind of funny to see the, um, on the American side, like even Robert Lighthizer, like, praising Nancy Pelosi now. Like, they're really trying to, it's almost a little too obvious, suck up to, to her yeah. and be like, you're not that witch we once said you were. Uh, she does not, as far as I can tell, respond well to pressure. Yeah. Uh, particularly from her political opponents. Yeah. So yeah. they're... they're. She could hold that a little longer. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's all for us today. Can I get your Twitter handles, please? I am at S Proudfoot. I am at David Reefley. And I'm at Trimble Zero. Have a great weekend. Interact helps Canadians access their funds their way. Products like Interact Debit and Interact eTransfer have made money mobile, taking it from the confines of traditional banking and ushering it into the digital age. As consumers adapt to new technology, so does Interact. Learn more at newsroom.interact.ca.